this week's episode of Man Talk, Series 3, Episode 11. You've got me this week, it's uh, it's my week. Guest week is next week. I hope you guys listened into Madeline Shaw last week. If you haven't, definitely go give it a listen. So this week's been a real whirlwind. As you may have seen if you follow along on Mum Talk podcast Instagram page or Emma Jola, my I guess it's kind of starting to be my personal page. Um, you will have seen there have been quite a few ups and downs whilst we've been away in London. Um, but we are finally home. Today is Saturday. Now, I am pre-recording this podcast for you. You guys know I never normally do this. I normally record it on a Tuesday for it to go live on a Wednesday so you can hear kind of as real time as possible my life with Amandine so you get some true insight into what's going on. But we are away on another adventure on Monday and I just, along with all the baby stuff, and we're going to two different, fairly different temperature locations. I won't have enough room for my um, laptop and my microphone. I'm sorry, I'm just going to turn off the baby monitor. Amandine's asleep and I just realised I left you guys with a lovely white noise in the background. Might make you fall asleep, it makes me fall asleep. This is the second time that I've recorded this podcast. I actually recorded this podcast at 7 o'clock this morning. Hendrik went to Tesco's. I just popped Amandine down for another nap, for her first nap. She wakes up at 6 o'clock these days, so by 7 o'clock she's knackered. And instead of going back to bed, I thought, you know what, I'm going to record the podcast. But I had to stop halfway through because Hendrik got back. And then I realised this morning was just a load of butts, ums, waffle. I don't think my brain was quite in gear. So I'm trying again, and I hope to keep it more succinct for you all to give you a bit of a lowdown on what's been going on. Now... We have been in London this last week, as you may have seen. We flew to London on Saturday last week. We flew from Exeter up to London City. Now, normally that would be really quite straightforward, but our flight, unfortunately, was an hour and a half delayed on the way out. Now, I had timed exactly Amandine's naps around taking off at 10 o'clock, and I know that sounds really, really anal, but... I just thought, you know, whatever makes it easy for me, because I was going by myself, we were originally going up for my cousin's wedding, uh, which we, you know, I still did go to, but um, unfortunately Hendrik couldn't come because he was rostered a flight on Monday morning and it was a Sunday wedding, so he just couldn't get back in time to Exeter to, you know, reset enough before he had to be responsible for upwards of 200 people flying a plane. So he didn't come, which meant I was doing it solo. I chose to take a fair amount of stuff. So I took my pram. I took uh, a Baby Bjorn travel cot, which we were very kindly gifted. I'll declare that now. And I took my backpack and obviously Amandine on my front. So every single place where I could hold baby gear or hold a baby was taken. Quite a heavy load. Hendrik dropped me off at the airport and I checked everything in. And Hendrik decided... Well, the lady at the desk offered if I needed special assistance to board the aircraft. Me being me, I was like, no, 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 I'm fine, thank you, don't worry, don't worry about me. And Hendrik said, "Uh, actually, yeah, yes, Emma, you would like that, thank you very much. So the first embarrassing thing was when we were all at the gate, the lady came on the tannoy. Clearly I was the only one there with a child flying to London City. I know that was a big generalisation, but I was. And the lady goes, please could Emma Jolin, with an infant, make her way to gate... In fact, it wasn't Jolin. I was like, could Emma Jowlin please come (laughs) to um, make herself aware to the gate staff at gate number one for her boarding to London City for special assistance pre-boarding? And I just, 
oh my gosh, I just died. I hate it when everyone turns around and looks at me, but clearly that was for me. I went up and I was like, hi. And she said, could you wait in the waiting area, please? And then they boarded me first. And although it was lovely, it was totally unnecessary because I really had my shit together. And I ended up sitting on the aircraft for five minutes and she was like, make yourself at home. We'll give you time. We'll do all of this. And I mean, it was really sweet and I definitely recommend it to any families traveling, but I, I just felt really uncomfortable. And then me being me, I just felt like everyone was watching me when I, um, when they were coming on the aircraft. I'm sure they were watching out of, I don't know, you know, um, saying how brilliant I was doing or whatever, but I am, um, I just, I don't know. I always associate it with being, with it being negative, being watched. Anyway, that's my problem. So we took off. You guys have asked me in the kind of questions I put out on the Instagram last week, you guys asked me to tell you my tips for flying. Now, I always put Amandine on my boob for takeoff and landing, and it always works, and it's always fine. I make sure she's hungry, and that's what I do. Now, before on a plane ride, Amandine has been attached to my boob the whole time, and she's fallen asleep, and it's been wonderful. This time, not so much. (laughs) She attached to my boob, she came off fairly quickly when we were up in the air, and then she wanted to play. So it was 50 minutes of trying to entertain a baby, trying to keep them relatively still. We made a little den in the seat next to us. The kind lady opened up the seat next to us, because on the city flights, they cram you at the front and they cram you at the back to wait the aircraft. It's It's never really a full flight. So that was um, that was great that we had a seat next to us. And everyone in Exeter really helped and the airport staff didn't help when we were going through security. Sorry, I'm just backtracking a little bit here. We Security is definitely the hardest thing to do with a baby, I find, if you're wearing your baby. Because you got I was wearing boots, so I had to take off my shoes, I had to take off my coat, I had to get my liquids out, I had to unstrap Amandine put her, um, hold her, put my ergo baby in the scanner. Everything went through, but the other end is really difficult. So you're holding a baby, you pull on your boots, you then have to put the baby, well, I made a little kind of nest in one of those security trays, put my coat in it, put Amandine on top, and then put the ergo baby on, and then put Amandine in, and then put my coat on, and this lovely lady who was a customer also flying Uh, said let me help you with your coat so that was really sweet none of the airport staff ever say do you need a hand Um, which is fine I don't really expect them to because I'm sure insurance purposes they're probably not really allowed but it was very sweet of this lady to offer different in London I don't know if there are any London mums listening I'm sure there are but I don't know if you've experienced (laughs) no help in London it was very different to Exeter anyway When we arrived in London, I grabbed everything, grabbed everything off the um, baggage belt. People did offer to help, but me being me, I was like, no, don't worry. I'm a strong, independent woman. I can handle this. I've got this. So we walked out of the airport. My sister was there, which was really sweet. And she helped us into a taxi. We bundled everything into a taxi and then headed back to my sister's. Now, my top tip for traveling in a taxi, if you haven't done it yet, with baby and an ergo baby is turn them round so they're facing out this may seem really obvious to you guys but it didn't seem obvious to me Amandine was attached to my chest and facing in towards my chest so obviously when I sat down in the taxi she was very uncomfortable had nowhere to go had nothing to see apart from my boobs so it wasn't ideal so I so eventually I took her out um but then for every taxi journey on from that I turned her around so she was facing out so effectively it was like she was sitting on my lap but she was just attached to me which was much, much better, much, much better. 
We arrived at my sister's and then put her straight down to nap. So this was really where the baby Bjorn travel cot came into its own because we were half an hour behind on Amandine's nap time because we were delayed and she'd had a little bit of a cat nap at the airport before we take, took off. So <laughs> I told my sister, I was like, you can figure it out. It's so easy, the baby Bjorn travel cot. Um, or you have to, well, I literally just gave it to her and was like, figure it out whilst I get Amandine changed into her PJs. And she did. And it's so easy. I kid you not. That thing was up in 20 seconds. If you're looking for a travel cot, I know I'm reviewing this. I know it's been gifted, but I would not share this with you if it was literally not fantastic. All you have to do, it comes in this kind of rectangular, very small rectangular thing. It's a hard, it's the mattress makes it quite a hard case so I actually put it in the hold with Flybe along with my pram you're allowed two free items with Flybe I think with most airlines actually anyway so put it in the hold my sister you take the mattress off the outside and pull it out of the bag and then the frame is inside all you do is unfold the frame it's literally one opening sensation like you're opening a card and then four these four legs just pop out you pull them out and snap them in it's so easy flip it the other way up lie the mattress down that's it. That's all there is to it. And then I put a bed sheet. It's it's kind of covered in a waterproof coating, so you don't need to worry about a mattress protector. Well, I didn't anyway. And then I put the sheet that had been on Amandine's cot for about four days that she'd been sleeping on before. Put Amandine in her PJs, again, that she'd been sleeping in before. Her grow bag that she'd been sleeping in before. So everything had her smell on it. I think that's really key when you're traveling with a baby. Um, and she was asleep within like 10 minutes new place completely new place never been to my sister's before completely new cot never been in that cot before and she was down I took the baby monitor this time and the camera and um to give me peace of mind it was brilliant it was absolutely brilliant she was brilliant uh I can't and this whole trip actually every single time I've asked her to nap she's gone down and bedtime she's gone down and she's been incredible this morning is the first morning with naps back at home. And again, she's gone down. And I really do put this down to two weeks before we left. I was strict as with our nap time routine. Hendrik said, you are getting a little bit obsessed with naps. But I just knew that if I had her naps down solid, whether she'd had milk or not, she would still go to sleep because she'd associate that time with sleep. Now, I don't necessarily mean time, time, as in 9.30 she takes a nap. It's always around a similar time, but I really focus, like I've mentioned on here before, awake times. So in the morning, she's generally awake between an hour to an hour and a half, then it goes to two hours. So she sometimes takes a cat nap because she wakes up so early at six o'clock. She'll stay awake until about 6.45, 7 o'clock, and then she'll sleep for maybe 45 minutes to an hour. I don't actually count that one. I tend to count her first nap. So she went down just now at 9.30, so she'll probably sleep till 10.30. Then she's awake from 10.30 to 12.30, and then she'll have her big lunchtime nap, which is normally around two hours. Occasionally, I get three, which is brilliant. And then she's awake for another two hours, then she goes down for a cat nap, again, 45 minutes to an hour, and then it's bedtime after her two hours of awake time. So I really did um, really try and keep it pretty strong with her naps and it seems to have worked and of course taking all of her bed stuff with her smell on it I think that is a hundred percent necessary if you want to have a good routine for naps and keeping it solid the other thing I do I'm actually into answering one of your questions um quite a few of you came back saying you know what do you actually do when you put your baby to bed to keep it 
similar. So for all the naps, I go into the bedroom, whatever room I'm in, I make it as dark as I possibly can. Change her nappy, change her into her PJs, put her in her grow bag, turn on the white noise machine. We live by our white noise machine. Turn on the camera. Sometimes I'll feed her, sometimes I won't, depending on whether I've fed her before. But right now it doesn't matter if I feed her or not, she'll still go down. So to all those mums who are feeding their new babies to sleep, I did that. I still do that sometimes. It really hasn't made a difference on whether Almondine will go down without milk or with milk. I really honestly would say don't lose any sleep or any time worrying about whether you're feeding your baby to sleep or not. I know it's frowned upon, but I really stressed about that and was really worried about it for a really long time. But it worked for us. And I do think if you start to build in doing some with, some without, it'll be fine. And it has been with Amandine. So... She's going down straight for her naps. That's what I do. Um, Either milk or no milk and then put her down. And I kiss her on the forehead and then I hot foot it out of the room. If I hang around for too long, she's like, why haven't you left yet? Maybe I can cry and get a snuggle. So you really have to be quick on getting out of that room. And then she'll go to sleep. If it's bedtime, bedtime, I take her favorite book with me wherever I go. And it's quite obvious which is her favorite one. I um, do all of the same with a nap, put her in her pyjamas, then I sit her on my knee, read her the book. She's in her grow bag by this point. Read her the book. If she wants milk, I give her milk. If not, it's straight into her pyjamas. Sorry, it's straight into her cot. And then kiss her on the forehead, hot foot it out of the room. If I do feed her, I turn the light off when I feed her so she doesn't get distracted and she goes to sleep. Sometimes she'll go to sleep on my boob. Other times she'll have her feed. She'll wake back up. She'll look at me go for her thumb, and then I know that's my key to put her down into the cot, and she goes to sleep. I haven't had any issues at all, actually, whilst we've been away, so I'm really hoping that we've got this down now. Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be nice? Bedtime, I do bath her every other night now, uh, just because she does some wonderful poos at the moment, actually. And, you know, cheeky wipes, they're brilliant, But I always am stressed whether, you know, I I think it's just good, isn't it, to wash. I tend to wash baby's bum actually every day anyway, just to be absolutely sure she's clean. But especially, this sounds really bad, if you're a London mum, you know, I'm sure your babies are just as clean as mine. But in London, I guess it was my first trip. I was a little bit over anxious about everything. But I was like, she needs to be clean. But after two days, that really dropped off. And I don't think she had a bath actually from the third day until we got home just because there was something on every single night and it was imperative I got her into bed without her being overtired and that's also key I find if I miss my window of getting her to bed and she gets overtired then we're a little bit fussy so I am I really do try and keep on point with the time of going to bed Amandine goes to bed around six o'clock or you know between six and six thirty so a little bit early that's why she wakes up at six in the morning but uh, it's fine, and I get a really lovely evening. <laughs> I get a really lovely evening. Um, also to say on the sleep, so she's waking up, so at 10.30 I still do a dream feed between 10.30 and 11 o'clock. Occasionally it's earlier, and that just means she wakes up earlier than 3 o'clock for her next feed, and then she'll wake up at 6. So I'm still doing that middle-of-the-night feed, Amandine's still quite light and still quite petite, I don't think, and because she's not taking a bottle, I've no idea how much milk she's taking before she goes down, so I do think she genuinely does need food on that morning feed, I know by they say six months, they probably don't need it, but I do actually think Amandine needs it, she is being fed every three hours still, so 
that kind of makes sense, doesn't it? 10.30 till 3, till 2.30, 3 o'clock. So that's the bedtime. Now, Amandine was just amazing whilst at my sister's, you know, new environment. She spent some time with my sister, but nowhere near as much as this. Saturday was just lovely. We just chilled, relaxed after the flight, took a walk around London. We used the pram lows, which was actually really nice. She, I found out that she will actually drop off in the pram, um, which is quite nice, and go to sleep, which I didn't think she would in the new six-month-plus seat. So Sunday. Sunday was a big day. Sunday was the wedding. And me going solo, yes, I had my sister to support me. My mum was also there. But we did not get off to the best start, let me tell you. Bundled her into the taxi, made sure she had a great nap, bundled her into the taxi. She was great in the taxi. We were in the pram and I had bought her this most beautiful outfit, like a really gorgeous romantic style blouse. We had uh, animal print, grey animal print tights. We had these little frilly pants, a beautiful cardigan. Got her out, hiked the pram up the stairs with my sister and smelt poop I mean big time smelt poop I knew we had an issue so went to the loo and we had poomageddon the poo had touched every single item of her beautiful outfit not one bit of clothing didn't have poo on it went right the way through to her cardigan flipping nightmare nightmare all the way up her back all the way up to the back of her neck and because the traffic was so bad getting to the wedding we had about 15 minutes to spare before the wedding was going to start so Got her changed, called my sister and was like, emergency, I need your help, I really need your help. My sister, bless her, spent the whole time trying to wash as much of the poop out of the clothes as she possibly could. We had to dump the vest in the bin, there was no way that was ever coming back. And we managed to salvage everything else. There was only a tiny bit of poop on the cardigan, so she still managed to wear that. Because of course I didn't bring her another cardigan to wear. Why Why would I do that? This has never ever happened before that it's gone all the way through to a cardigan. So I never thought that would be necessary. Um, and then went upstairs, got her dressed in her other outfit, which of course was a shitty outfit. I'd literally just bought some grey leggings, a cream top, and then her cardigan was back over the top of that with a slight wet patch. But actually it was so warm in this building. The cardigan dried in no time and I didn't actually need to put it on her. Um, I didn't actually need to put it on her. So went into the ceremony, sat by one of the doors, which was going to be left open during the ceremony so I could sneak out if I needed to. Thank the Lord that I did. Uh, 10 minutes in, Amandine decides to do another poop and then decides to take part in the vows. Not cool. <laughs> so I very stealth, get up from my seat, shimmy out the door, but just as I'm closing the door, it lets out this ginormous creak. I mean, I just buried my head in my hands. I could not believe that had happened. Just as my cousin was starting her vows, it was awful. It was awful. Anyway, once we'd finished, the once the ceremony had finished, I didn't go back in, obviously. I went to clean up Amandine and then we hid, basically. Um, but once the ceremony had finished, all these people came out and were like, oh, wasn't she so good? She was so good. We didn't hear a peep out of her. And then I thought, this is brilliant. No one heard the creak on the door and no one heard my daughter. Anyway, I did own up and I said, we actually weren't in there for more than 10 minutes. But it was a shame, you know, I'd flown all this way to come and see my cousin get married and I actually missed the deed, which was a little bit upsetting. But, you know, I'd rather miss it than her remember a baby talking through her vows. <laughs> so we left. 
Anyway, the reception venue was an hour's drive away from where she got married, which isn't ideal with a newborn. Obviously, she's not a newborn anymore with a six-month-old. So my mum, amazingly, managed to get hold of a car seat from one of her friends, and we drove in my mum's car across town. We actually arrived at the same time as the bus that they'd organised, so that was brilliant. I thought we'd be a lot later because we obviously couldn't use the bus lanes and the traffic was horrendous because there was a Chelsea football match going on at the time. Couldn't have really been worse. She obviously lost her shizzle in the car, so my sister and my mum and I, we were quite big choir girls at school and (laughs) we were singing all of these old school choir songs that we somehow remembered the lyrics to. Helped a little bit, but I tried white noise, I tried everything. We hadn't eaten in a really long time, so bless, my mum's partner had hidden chocolate. My mum's the biggest chocoholic on the planet, so he'd hidden some chocolate in the boot, and we stopped, and he grabbed the chocolate to help calm everybody. But unfortunately, my mum had got the car seat, which was brilliant, but she hadn't figured out how to get it into the baby setting, because there were kind of different upright settings for this car seat. My sister, being the trooper that she is googled online the car seat make and model number managed to get the instruction manual and as we were driving across town we managed with Amandine still locked into her car seat we managed to get it into the the um, baby position I mean she's amazing my sister nothing stops her from solving a situation she's a lawyer so you kind of expect it but she's just she's just incredible anyway got to this reception my cousin for day one had said it was going to be really loud but I hadn't really thought that loud so we went in and there were a lot a lot of people in a rather small place because they were doing lots of photos and it was kind of welcome drinks and everything and by the time I'd left actually they'd all gone up into this big event space which apparently was a little bit more spaced out um the noise didn't travel as much but they obviously did have a band and stuff so I'm pleased I didn't go to that bit because that would have been too noisy but my nephew I won't try and explain the family how he's my nephew, but he's actually got two kids and he has ear defenders for his daughter. And um, he lives five minutes away from the reception venue and what a dude. He walked them down to the reception venue and gave me these uh, ear defenders and his wife had actually packed a bag of a little book, a little rattle, a sun hat for our next adventure. It was so sweet and of course the rattle saved the day and... Um, she it was her favourite toy for the whole of the wedding. So we stayed a couple of hours, managed to get into the family photos. I don't know if you guys have ever experienced this when you went to weddings, but my sister says it's quite normal. But the bride, so my cousin was holding Amandine for two of the pictures, and I think she picked up on I was a little bit weirded out by this, or I wasn't weirded out. I just I felt really empty. <laughs> I felt really empty. So she said, "Should we take one picture with you holding Amandine?" I was like, "Yes, that would be really nice. Thank you." But my sister says it's quite normal if there's a baby in the photo for the bride to hold it. I'd be interested to hear if you guys have experienced that. But yeah, I did feel quite empty without my baby attached to me. Uh, So after we jumped in a cab and we got home uh, around 8 o'clock, so actually it wasn't too bad. It was, you know, an hour and a half maybe after Amandine's nap time, but she slept the whole way back in the taxi. And then when we arrived, it was interesting getting the taxi up the stairs. So there are steep steps into my sister's house and or flat and or it is it's kind of a muse house it is really a house I think it's a house and 
I took Amandine out of the pram, unlocked the door, lay her down on the mat in the hallway, and then grabbed the pram, made sure the keys, I, I kept the keys the whole time, because I was panicking that the door would slam shut, and Amandine would be stuck inside, and I'd be stuck outside, and the keys would be inside. So I always made sure that the keys were on my person, <laughs> to make sure that didn't happen every time we went out. That's how I managed the pram situation. But she woke up the next morning and she was a dream, so clearly none of that had phased her. And she was passed around that wedding like nobody's business and she loved it. She was giving people hugs, reaching for people's uh, faces. She loved when she went to the guys, she loved trying to grab their little flowers. They were actually fake flowers, so that was better. Otherwise, she would have annihilated those flowers. And then... Um, on Monday, we just chilled. We went to go and see a friend. We walked down to City, so it was a nice 50-minute walk. Went to go and see my friend Rebecca, who's been on this podcast before, with her son Quinn. Quinn is just a month older than Amandine, and it was so cute seeing them play together. Rebecca's taught Quinn how to stroke their cats really softly, and so Quinn was stroking Amandine. It was absolutely hilarious and so, so cute. So... The rest of Monday, we walked back. Oh, there was quite a funny thing. I got on the bus because I just I was really tired and I just wanted to get the bus back to my sisters. There was about a 20-minute difference between the bus journey and walking. Anyway, there was so much traffic. I got on, paid my fare, did one stop and realised I really could have walked quite a long way in that distance. So jumped off and then ended up walking back nice and slow and Amandine got about an hour and a half nap walking back to my sisters. Yeah, and then we just chilled, which was lovely. And we had Lisa, who's also been in series one of this podcast. She came over with her toddler and it was really lovely. He was asleep, so we were able to catch up and Amandine was also asleep, so it was very nice. And then the next day on Tuesday, we had quite the adventure. We, um, and this is why we stayed up in London, we were invited, Amandine and I were invited to go on a 24-hour city, out-of-the-city escape to the most beautiful uh, God, what, do, what would you call it? Country estate with a stately home on it and then three other houses within the estate. And I mean, I'm talking grand, super grand in Suffolk. And we were invited by Lululemon. So Lululemon were running a retreat for 35 inspiring women to celebrate International Women's Day, which of course was yesterday. I can't remember if I told you this actually at the beginning of the podcast, but I'm pre-recording this podcast. It is Saturday morning and we are off on an adventure. I think I have said this, but just in case, we're off on an adventure um, on Monday and I don't have room for my mic and my laptop. I'm sure I said that at the beginning. I'm sorry if I just repeat it myself. So we, um, yeah, and it was the most incredible experience. They were so sweet. They took Uh, let me take my sister with me for chief babysitting duties so I could actually enjoy what was being held for us on the retreat the space that was being held for us so it was a two and a half hour coach ride on Tuesday afternoon to get to um, the place in Suffolk it was fine there was a car seat I obviously tried to get um, Amandine to stay in the car seat for as long as possible during the coach rides. Obviously, it's a lot safer, but in reality, she was probably on me for about 40% of the time. She didn't feed so well on the coach just because there was a lot of noise and a lot of things going on. Naturally, I can understand, but she managed so, so well. She didn't cry at all. She was just her content little self, um, and it was lovely. It was really lovely. And I wouldn't have wanted to miss the journey on because there was a chance for us to really start bonding. And I am 100% out of my comfort zone on things like this. I'm not good on things like this. And I tend to just freeze up. And that really did happen over these 24 hours. But on reflection of it all, I've learned so much and learned so much about myself. Anyway, when we arrived, 
it was about half an hour until Amandine's nap time. So Fraser very kindly showed us to the room, um, at Fraser, who had organised it all from Lululemon, showed us to the room. There was a cot there waiting for us. I'd taken her sheets and all of her bedclothes again, so she had a familiar smell. I popped her down, fed her, and then popped her down, sorry. And she literally went straight to sleep. Straight to sleep, no problems. I got ready for dinner, and my sister stayed and did some work and watched the baby monitor because where we were eating was in a different place to the house where we were staying. And she didn't hear a peep until I got back. And then 10.30, I fed her. This was the first time that I had ever left her or, you know, been away from the baby monitor. The first 10 minutes was quite difficult. And actually, we were bundled out of the house relatively quickly. So mainly because I just took so long um, putting Amandine down. But we were bundled out of the house and it was kind of like, Michelle, you've got this. Well done. Text me if there's a problem. <laughs> and as I was going out, I suddenly realised I don't have any signal on my phone. So it was a bit of a manic kind of trying to get Wi-Fi on my phone. So I made sure Michelle could get hold of me if she needed me. because She had no clue where I'd just gone. Um, but no, she was brilliant. She slept. And then we had the normal 3.30 uh, wake time for feed. And then she woke up at six o'clock. I kept her awake at six o'clock and played with her for a little bit, fed her, took a shower, got ready for yoga. Yoga was at seven o'clock, so I put her down at seven, was 10 minutes late to yoga, which was fine. And uh, and then she slept through until breakfast and I went in. I thought my sister and her were still asleep because the white noise machine was still on, so I left it for about half an hour. And, um, and then as I went in, eventually I went in, I was like, I've got to feed my baby before we go into the developmental session, development st- sessions. And Michelle was like, where have you been? We had Pumageddon. I've tried to wash all the clothes out. I can't put her down. I can't take a shower. And I think it really hit her how tricky it is sometimes to have a baby solo. Plus, I'd literally just thrown my sister in at the deep end, the full deep end. Um, but anyway, she was amazing. She was absolutely amazing. So fed her, obviously went out, had some breakfast with my sister and Amandine had lots of cuddles with people, with with these women and it was just brilliant. And then we had a couple of hours of development session and then lunch and then more development session, which was absolutely wonderful. I did have to leave a couple of times just to settle Amandine down for her nap. I didn't think she'd go down with Michelle putting her down because she's never done it before and, you know, Michelle's still a fairly new face even though she's perfectly happy with Michelle, I just think bedtime, she needs her mummy. But it was lovely. It was really lovely. And yes, my mind maybe was a little bit more elsewhere than I would have liked it to be. But this was the first time I'd ever been away from her. So I think I did really well. I think I did really well. I'm proud of myself. And I mean, I'm mega, mega grateful and proud of my sister for just literally not having a clue what she was doing, but just getting on and doing it. What a star. So after the 24 hours, and it literally was just 24 hours, with these most inspirational women, I mean, I was there with the youngest woman from the UK to ever climb Everest. I was there with a woman racing driver. I was there with, uh, my goodness, who else was I there with? Got uh, just incredible, incredible, incredible women. There with a cancer survivor who had three children. And I really... I really did find myself being like, I run a podcast. <laughs> I, I'm not sure I should be here. And it, I think it took me a really long time to realise my worth and my reason for being there. And I just couldn't understand why I was being selected as one of these inspirational women to be at this 
you know, International Women's Day retreat. Um, so that was quite difficult for me because I, I just I just didn't understand why I was there. I was there with a woman who, you know, had had, had um, her foot blown off in the army. And I mean, just absolutely incredible. And she had hiked to um, the pole with Prince Harry. I mean, my goodness, so many women had achieved more in, you know, a few years than I would ever hope to achieve in my lifetime. Just bonkers, bonkers, bonkers. Anyway, we came back two and a half hours on the train, on, sorry, on the bus. It was a very elaborate bus. It had ovens, it had two ovens (laughs) and a loo, thank goodness, because I, yeah, holding my wee for two and a half hours with my pelvic floor being, you know, not in the best shape, Thank God there was a loo. (laughs) Otherwise, I think I probably would have been peeing in a water bottle. Probably too much information, sorry. So we got home to my sister's. We got a cab from Liverpool Street Station. Again, baby went straight into the Baby Beyond travel cot. I know I'm reviewing this travel cot, and I know it was gifted. I wouldn't tell you these things about the travel cot if I didn't think it was just incredible, but it really was. It really was incredible. It was brilliant. Amandine settled perfectly. Literally, you can put it up in 20 seconds. You can put it down in 20 seconds and into the bag. Plus, bonus point, there are little nooks in this travel cot where you can shove things like nappies. And I'd put Amandine's white noise machine. I'd put her baby bag. I'd put her um, her sleep bag, her pyjamas in there. So everything, her book in there. So everything I needed for sleep was all in one place. It was fantastic. The baby... Um, cot is only six kilograms and it goes in the hold of a plane because the mattress makes it quite nice and sturdy so I checked it in but I mean what by the time I'd stuffed it full of stuff it wasn't six kilograms anymore it was probably seven but still absolutely fantastic piece of kit I would highly highly recommend if you want a travel cot it's expensive yes it is expensive I think it's upward of 200 pounds but if you want something you can literally get the biggest baby novice to put up go for that one. It's great. And it doesn't take up a huge amount of space. It's right down on the floor. So putting baby down if they are asleep is fairly tricky. I'd say it would be quite a challenge to keep your baby fully asleep and put them down in the cot. But it it was perfect for me because Amandine doesn't need to be asleep when she goes down anymore. So it was fine. And it was really comfy. Amandine seemed perfectly comfortable. Fits your normal cot sheet. Just brilliant. I highly, highly recommend it. It's um, got like mesh sides, so it's really breathable. There's You can um, make a section of pole at the top visible, so I could attach the Velcro to uh, Amandie's white noise machine, so I can Velcro that on. You could, if your camera has, my camera has a bit of a, um, like legs, which are moldable, so you can mold them around a cot edge. You could do that with it. I actually forgot that, so I put the camera in the cot with her. Um... It was just fantastic. Just a fantastic piece of kit. I highly recommend it. Super, super light if you don't stuff it full of stuff like me. But still super light in comparison to a lot of other people's. And pretty small. Pretty small. So highly recommend it. Go check it out. It's from Baby Bjorn. So on to our next adventure, which was coming home. So we had to hang around on Thursday for our flight. On Thursday evening out of London City. It was at 525 Rocked up to London City in a cab, no problems, had managed, took the baby Bjorn, took my pram, took 
uh, my rucksack and everything, didn't leave anything behind, managed to shove the yoga mat we'd been gifted into my pram case. I've got a wheelie bag for my pram that you fold your pram into. Absolutely revolutionizes traveling with a pram, but I packed it already because I, I wouldn't have been able to pack it already at the airport with baby attached to me. So I did pack it at my sister's and then took it in the cab. Had extremely helpful cab drivers, I must say. And then arrived at the airport, everything was fine, no sign of delay. About an hour before we were due to board, plane gets put back an hour. And then the next time I checked, it had been put back an hour, another hour, and then it had been put back to 8.20, and I was thinking, this isn't right, this is not right, the plane obviously hasn't left where it was coming from. We didn't have great weather, and apparently there was really bad weather in Amsterdam, so I think it was due to the weather, but basically the plane had never left. Turns out the flight got cancelled. So after three and a half hours in the airport, the flight was cancelled. So I thought, okay, this is fine. We're going to manage. I did actually break down mid-airport and I was crying. And I, because, you know, three hours at the airport trying to entertain a baby. Baby wouldn't sleep. I couldn't walk around the airport because my bag was so heavy. My rucksack was so heavy. And wearing Amandine, it just wasn't doable. And I was wearing a big snowboarding coat. I just couldn't do it. So I went down to a quiet gate that wasn't being used and I found a sofa and we played for a bit and I put her on my boob and off my boob. But by the time the flight was cancelled, I just broke down and I just thought, this is insane. For a 45-minute flight down to Exeter, I chose flying because I thought it would be more reliable than trains, but it turns out it wasn't. Apparently this rarely happens, but I just, just my luck. Anyway, I cried. This lovely Irish man came over and was like, are you okay? I know it's really difficult with babies. I've got one about the same age. I promise you gets better. I was like, it's not that. My flight's just been cancelled. Anyway, I came across, once I'd packed up and I'd called my sister to tell her to expect us, I just took the decision. We're going to go home. We'll reevaluate in the morning. Going to go back to my sister's, obviously not home. And then found a bunch of angry people having a real go at this member of airport staff. I felt so sorry for her. And I really felt like speaking up and saying, look, it's not her fault. It's the airline's fault. And it's probably not even their fault. It's the weather. They, you know, it's safety. They can't take off. You know, the pilots probably want to be at home as well. I guess I know a bit more insight because Hendrik's a pilot. But I really, really felt for this member of airport staff. Anyway, she then proceeded to tell us that there were coaches being booked by Flybe because there were no more flights out of um, out of London City within 24 hours. I think it's a rule or something. The coaches were going to take two hours to arrive and then five hours to get down to Exeter because the coach driver has to stop um, legally at that, I think, driving that period of time. So... No, there was just no way I was doing it. That would have been seven hours of travel on top of three hours sitting at the airport. We wouldn't have got home until the very early hours of the morning. Uh, Just not possible. And then a taxi from Exeter Airport, home, no, 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 no. So I piped up and I said, look, I'm really sorry. That's not going to be possible for me. I've got a six-month-old baby. I need to leave the airport. I need to grab my baggage, Um, please. So she said, yes, of course, let me escort you out. And then a few more people jumped on the back of being escorted out and just decided to either go get trains or wait until the morning again. So we jumped in a taxi, got back to my sister's, put Amandine straight to bed. She slept. It was brilliant. She woke up for her normal feed. She didn't seem phased by it at all. Incredible, incredible baby. And then I decided to get a train the following morning. So we jumped on a train at 11 o'clock, taxi to Paddington, um, managed to get to Honiton, which is quite close to Exeter, and then got a cab, and it was easy. You know, the train was an hour, uh, two and a half hours. 
I had a seat next to me, which was brilliant. I made her a little den. I managed to get her to nap for an hour on the train. Turns out if you stand in the carriage, you know where like the loo is and everything, and the litter bins, one of those joining carriage where the door is, it's quite bouncy there. So you don't have to do so much thigh action to bounce them to sleep, <laughs> which was great. And it was nice and quiet and it was cool. So Amandine went straight to sleep and yeah, I just continued bouncing her for about an hour. And then we arrived and again, the taxi man was lovely. And I was going to say though, everyone in Exeter, super friendly, super helpful, but London, not so helpful. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Not so, not so helpful. Everyone just tends to keep their eyes down. Um, some people are lovely and, you know, they smile at you, but I'm very used to smiling at other mums and being like, we've got this (laughs) smile. We're fine. We can do this, but not so much in London. I'm sure there are lots of London mums listening um, and maybe you've experienced differently, but I just, I really wasn't aware of anyone smiling at me. Anyway, we eventually got home and Amandine's just gone back straight into her routine. She's napping again now and I'm going to try and crack on. I've got a pack. So we are off to France to go see Hendrik's parents again on Monday. And then we fly on from France on the following Monday to go to Portugal, which will just be the three of us, which is lovely. And actually, my sister is coming out to join us for the last weekend. We're only there for a week, so she's going to come out on Saturday and Sunday, which in a way is lovely. I think it'll take the pressure off Hendrik and I with Amandine a little. Maybe Hendrik and I can take a bit of time just for the two of us, and maybe my sister will be up for babysitting. My sister's currently um, in St. Lucia. Lucky, lucky person. Um... So she fully deserves her holiday after helping me out. And yeah, we're, we're going to go on a bit of a bit of an explore, which is why I don't have room for my laptop and my mic, because we are going to have to pack for two fairly different climates. It's 20 degrees in Portugal right now and 12 degrees in France. <laughs> so it's going to be quite different. So I'm just going to take lots of T-shirts and just layer them up whilst I'm in France, I think. And um, yeah. So from all of this experience, my top tips for traveling are, you know, flying definitely every time you land or take off, try and get them onto your boob for milk. Really, we have no issues with, uh, with ears popping or anything like that. I would also highly recommend facing them to face the taxi driver when you're in a taxi. Um, what we packed, a lot of you guys have asked me what we packed actually. So we packed... I packed everything she needed for a good bedtime sleep. I also packed the baby monitor. I packed lots of diff- well, I packed about three different outfits that were interchangeable. Obviously, some of those ended up with poop on them, but luckily enough, at my sister's, she obviously has a washing machine, so that was fine. Managed to wash all that out. And what else did I pack for baby? I think I've covered everything actually. I didn't, I didn't, you know, need too much for her. And then for me, all I packed was a pair of jeans my smart trousers and a pair of shoes for my sister's wedding, uh, my sister's wedding, my cousin's wedding. And then I raided my sister's wardrobe for everything else. Um, Lululemon very kindly kitted us out for an outfit for uh, yoga. So I didn't have to worry about taking anything like that. So I literally just took my own coat and it was fine. Um, So the bag was pretty much all Amandine, hardly anything to do with me. Um, Okay, what else have you guys asked? Uh, Do you have a routine for daytime naps? I've definitely just covered that. 
Someone has asked about premature babies. When's the right time to do things? Real age or corrected age? I can't help you with that question. I'm really sorry. I'll put it on my Instagram today. See if there's anyone that can help us out answering that question. And maybe I can try and get that question answered for you in a future podcast with a future guest. But I really don't know. I'm I'm sorry. I can't help you with that. Which furniture would you say is essential for baby's room? Huh. Well... You don't need a cot straight away. If you're using a Moses basket or a snooze pod or something like that, you can even, I guess, they Amandine's getting to six months where she is really starting to grow out of her snooze pod. I don't think she has a huge amount of time left in there. But if you wanted to put them in their room earlier than six months, I know it's not recommended, but if you did, you could still use the snooze pod or the Moses basket or something like that, I guess. Um, but we had our cot re- really early on and ready because I actually had Amandine going down in her naps. Every nap she took, she'd be in her cot to get her used to it, which has definitely paid off with trying to get her into her cot. But flip side to that is she doesn't tend to sleep anywhere else. So she doesn't tend to sleep in her pram, although she did in London. So I'm going to try and get her to do that a little bit more. So it just makes me a little bit more flexible because I did find towards before going away to London, I was really homebound if I wanted her to nap and same actually in London she wanted to be in her cot so but that works for us because we live in the country and it's quite easy for me to either have her out in the morning and we'll just make sure we're doing something for two hours in the morning then I come home she naps and all the rest of it so um it works for us but that's why we had a cot what else definitely some form of changing mat doesn't necessarily need to be a changing table my changing area is actually on top of a chest of drawers. I found a chest of drawers on Etsy. No, it wasn't Etsy. Facebook Marketplace, which I really loved. And I've just turned the top of that into a changing table. I have like a changing basket, which isn't a changing mat, so it kind of stops her from rolling anywhere. Eventually, she'll grow out of that, so I'll probably have to get a changing mat. But... um You don't have to buy a specific changing table, I wouldn't say. And the top drawer of our changing our kind of area the top drawer of the chest of drawers is filled with nappies and everything I need to change her and then it's got her clothes in the next two drawers down and we have a wardrobe in that room only because it was there already we put it in there when we moved there's nowhere else for it to go so her jumpers her uh kind of pretty blouses her baby some uh no her baby grows don't hang in there her baby grow bags uh her baby sleep bags even god sleep bags hang up in there and then the rest of it is kind of storage Hendrik calls it my absolute clutter cupboard it's not great (laughs) there's kind of Christmas jumpers in there and then a section of that wardrobe has clothes that she's grown out of all that kind of stuff what else is in there I have a chair in there so I can feed her before she goes down to sleep at bedtime because her nap at bedtime starts off in there and then I transfer her at 10 30 into my room still I know it's about time you're meant to put them in their own room, but I don't see the point in doing that when we're going away for a couple of weeks. Um, I'll do it when she gets home. So she'll almost be seven months because she'll be in my room whilst we're away. There's no option to not have that happen. And I think when you're in an unfamiliar location, it's a bit harsh to start putting baby in their own room. Maybe I will. Maybe I'll feel like we're away for such a long time that I will transfer her into a different room. We'll see. We'll just, I'm playing it all by ear. Same with weaning. I haven't started weaning. Everyone's asking me about flipping weaning. No, I haven't started. Again, we're going away. 90% of the time she's going to get my boob because I won't have food around. And yeah, I just, she's super interested in food. Now is definitely the time. 
but I'm just not packing all of that stuff that we need for weaning away into the bag to take with us. What else is necessary? I would definitely say as many rugs as you can possibly get into your nursery. <laughs> Seeing as our poomageddon baby, you know, sprays of shit everywhere, all up the wall, all across the carpet, try and get as many rugs in as you can. And try to avoid putting your changing table by the door. We have, the only place we can put our changing table is by the door, our, you know, chest of drawers is by the door. But you obviously can't have a rug underneath the door. So that's where the poo hit, by the door. Um... So if you can, put it somewhere where you can have a rug all around it um, so it will catch any sprays. But I'm warning you, baby poo can spray up to two metres. I mean, I measured the distance away from our baby changing chest of drawers and it was two metres and it went up the wall. So allow for that when you're placing rugs. What else do I have in there? I have a little side table, which when I was feeding, when we had lots of guests when she was a newborn, I had my iPad so I could watch some Netflix and you can put your water bottle, maybe a snack or something. Baby camera, definitely a maybe Hendrik actually screwed a ledge onto the walls so it overhung our cot. If you haven't got a shelf, I would say a place for the baby camera. We've got some bookshelves in there as well. Um but you know necessary items you just need somewhere to put your baby clothes and somewhere to change your baby but you can do that on the floor I have plenty of friends who just have a changing mat and they do it on the floor obviously if you have a bathroom big enough I would definitely recommend doing the changing baby area in the bathroom because then you avoid all the poop on carpet scenarios and the cot, that's it really that's what you need you really don't need much just a place for baby to sleep a place to change baby you could even whack a load of muslins and a rug down on the floor and change your baby. You really don't need much. Um, that's it. Yeah. So I think I've answered all your questions. The other was a yoga-related questions, but I've, pee, I've um, private messaged about that one. If you guys have any more questions, make sure you give them to me whilst I'm away. And if you have any more questions off the back of this podcast, please, 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 please DM me at mumtalkpodcast Instagram page or email me at mumtalkpodcast at gmail.com and I will come back to you. I know there's loads of questions everyone has around travelling. We managed. It was not easy. I'm not going to lie. It's difficult. Um, You've got to be kind of there 100% the whole time. But we, it was fine. I would do it again. It hasn't put me off going to London. It really hasn't. Um, I, I would definitely do it again. I loved it. And it's, um, I think at this age, it's actually easier. I don't think it would be so easy when they're toddlers. Anyway, I'm going to love you and leave you. Have a great week and enjoy the podcast next week. I'm going to get that one up and live for you. It's an absolutely fantastic guest. I flipping think she's brilliant enjoy the rest of your week have a lovely weekend that sounds odd me saying that but seeing as i'm recording it on a saturday (laughs) i will catch up with you when we're back and i'm sure i'll have more travel tips to share with you lots and lots of love to you all bye oh just on the back of this podcast don't forget the um giveaways on the mum talk podcast instagram page are live until the 23rd of march so you can still go on you can still Follow Mum Talk Podcast, like and tag the brands, tag your friends, um, share in your stories, it's for extra entries. Do what you need to do to enter all the competitions. Um, you can win 
up, I think there's 12 giveaways. So you've got to like and tag your friends on each of the giveaways if you want to be in chance of winning that particular giveaway. So make sure you do it, tell your friends, there's still lots of time and once I get back from holiday I will announce the winners and get those gifts posted out to you. So have the most wonderful week and yeah, go to the Mum Talk Podcast Instagram page, enter the competition, tell your friends about it and thank you to all of you who are sharing this podcast. It really means the world and I'm so happy that I can reach so many more mums every week and pregnant women and I hope that um, this has been a helpful podcast. Lots of love. Bye again.